if you look at a map of Paraguay or look at a map of South America, for that matter, you'll see that getting from Paraguay to Uruguay, if you're going overland, can be potentially quite tricky. How do you do it? Where do you go? What do you do? We're following the Lonely Planet, and at the time, one thing that the Lonely Planet said was that to traverse the north of Uruguay was pretty much impossible. Not a lot going on there. Bus connections were a pain in the backside. Basically, you're not really going to miss out on much. As with things like that, the minute someone says don't do it, it's like a wet paint sign, isn't it? The minute someone says don't do it, you've got to do it just to see what happens. So we decided that we should, in good faith, try and traverse the northern plains of Uruguay by public transport. But first, we had to get into a sensible place in Uruguay. Uh, this involved a lot of research, this involved going through lonely planets, looking at bus times, looking at what's going on. We decided that the best thing to do would be to pop along to the southern border of Paraguay, hop along into Argentina, into a place called Posidas, get a bus down to Concordia, which is on the Argentinian-Uruguayan border. And then from there, I get a taxi or something across to a place called Salto in Uruguay. That's what we knew we had to do. But having read through The Lonely Planet, it mentioned about Paraguay's only UNESCO World Heritage Site, which is the Runas de Hezas, or it's a mission in the butt end of nowhere, basically, and, you know, ruins in effect. Very difficult to get to. Certainly not the remotest thing in the world. There are many more remoter, if that is a word, more remote sites, UNESCO World Heritage Sites than this one. This is certainly one of the least visited in the world, just because, you know, it's not the easiest of places to get to. It's in a little tiny town, probably not even a town, a village, called Jesus de Tavarangue, which is just off one of the main roads in Paraguay with the nearest place of any significance is Encarnacion. Encarnacion being on the border between Paraguay and Argentina on the Parana River. We got into Encarnacion after a bonkers bus journey. Paraguayan buses literally stop everywhere. You get no consistency. The only thing consistent about Paraguayan buses is that they will stop everywhere. You might pick someone up on the street, the bus goes 10 meters, stops, picks up someone else. It's got to be a better system, a better way of doing it. But, you know, it, we got used to it after a while. We made two errors with trying to visit the least used or least visited, one of the most least visited sites, UNESCO sites in Latin America, if not the world. We didn't plan properly for the day. We didn't realize how difficult it could be. I think we were a bit, uh, we're a bit daft, so we hadn't taken uh, much liquid, and we certainly hadn't taken food at all. We knew that we had to get a bus down to a place called Trinidad. Uh, 
again, a village on a main road on, on Route 6 in the south end of Paraguay. So we knew we had to get a bus there. And then we had to basically take a left. And there was this road up to Jesus de Tavarangue. And pretty much the Lonely Planet and the person in the hostel said, a colectivo, which is like a yeah, pretty much a minibus, a colectivo should come by and pick you up because there's one scheduled for the morning, there's one scheduled for the afternoon. There's only a couple of day because it's not a, exactly a popular route, not a lot to do there. A collectivo might turn up, might not turn up. If not, you're looking at um, five, 10 kilometer walk each way. We got off the main bus at Trinidad, not a problem. Started walking up this, this road on the left. Uh, about 10 minutes later, uh, a collectivo has turned up. We popped on the collectivo, headed up to Jesus de Tavarangue. No problem at all. It's about 25 degrees again. It's roasting. Again, silly us. We've had a big breakfast, but we weren't anticipating being out all day. So rookie error. Always be planned. Always be prepared for your days out. Popped off in Jesus. We knew where the rooms were. You could see them. You know, they're at the far west of the town. So we walked up. It's desolate. It's quiet. The sun's shining. There's not a cloud in the sky. It's one of those really great days. We got to the ruins. Surprise, surprise. I mean, there is no one there. We looked at the guest book. People that, you know, can sign in, sign out if they want. And we opened up and we were the first people to visit in just over a week. Assuming that everyone that turns up signs in and signs out, if that is the case, we're the first people to visit there for a week. It's a lovely place. It's a site with remains of a mission from about the 1600s. Talking of which, if you've never seen the film, The Mission with Robert De Niro, highly recommend watching it. It's incredibly insightful, quite tearful as well, actually, but good film. There was nothing there. I mean, yes, there were ruins, and it was like you know, looking at a, an old ruined church in you know, Europe. It's quite fascinating, especially the type of you know, brick and whatnot. You're walking along the remains. There was no one there. There's no CCTV. There's no guards or anything like that. So yeah, we should or shouldn't have done, but you know, we were climbing up and down on the rocks, not being dangerous or anything like that. We're just climbing up and down, having a laugh, having fun, enjoying how desolate the place was. Also enjoying the fact that we were pretty much the first people there for over a week uh, brought us a sense of satisfaction as well. We probably ended up just spending a couple of hours there in, enjoying enjoying the sun, enjoying the ambiance, enjoying absolutely nothing. But we realized we'd hit a problem. And that was, for some reason, because we hadn't, neither of us had taken our wallets with us, although we'd taken some cash with us, we realized that we only had enough cash to actually get back to Encarnacion. No cash for food. We knew what the bus fares and the Collectivo fares were, but we had no cash for food. We had no cash for water either. And when you're in the middle of nowhere, that's really not good. So we left the sites, kind of walked back into town and we had a bit of an issue. It's about two o'clock, three o'clock in the afternoon. And we knew that a Collectivo was meant to be there by after two, three o'clock. We knew that that was the case. We waited, nothing. Kept waiting. Nothing. 
gets to about half three. Still waiting. Not a lot, not a lot happening. And it's getting to the time where if you're going to be faced with a five, ten kilometer trek back down the road to get to the main road to get the bus back, it's the sort of time where you've got to start moving. We gave it five minutes. Bear in mind, again, it's a tiny little, you know, sort of village, small town. You can hear everything for miles. Not a lot's going on. So we sat there and said, right, we'll give it five minutes. And then we'll, you know, we'll have to march. Bear in, mind, bear in mind at this time, you're getting pissed off because it's hot. You've not got water. You've not got food. Again, it, that's our own fault. So, we you know, we've definitely learned something from this lesson. Just about to get up off the off the town hall steps. That's where we are because it was in a bit of shade. We can hear something in the background. It sounded like a motor, not a car. Definitely not a car. It sounded like a motor. It sounded like a collectivo. We weren't sure. We can hear it coming closer. So this is exciting. And then about five blocks away, I think it's relatively flat there. We just saw this collectivo come out of the middle of nowhere. About an hour late. Come out of the middle of nowhere. You know, scenes of rejoicing, scenes of just ultimate scenes, you know, woo, yeah, you know, it's going to be easier to get back to, to Encarnacion. The collectivos come round, we, we flagged it down, we got back to Encarnacion, and we'd done something that we probably shouldn't have done, because we always said, yeah, we like getting involved in the culture when we're away, and that includes the food, you know, eat what the locals eat, etc. Now, for some reason, Encarnacion, don't ask me why or how. It's although it's on a river, it has a river beach, which is nice. And on that was a big massive Burger King. By the time we got back, got to the hostel, picked up some cash for food, as well as gulping down a litre or two of water. Had a massive fat Burger King. It's probably one of the best things I've ever tasted, just because of the circumstances of, of the day. Definitely not how the locals do it, but it felt good and it was on a river beach. Anyway, all of that being said, the sites at Jesus de Tavarangue, it's desolate, it's in the butt end of nowhere. It's lovely to see. It really, really is for the peace, for the ambiance. Highly, highly recommend it. The following morning in Encarnacion, we were kind of figuring out how to get down to Salto. We knew the route we needed to do, we weren't sure on Argentinian bus times. We couldn't find any information. And to make matters worse, it was a Sunday. So not a lot, not a lot going on. The hostel had organized a bus to go from Encarnacion over to Posidas, to the bus station there. Uh, including you know, going across uh, the bridge there, getting all your you know, visas and whatnot sorted out. Went across there, got into Postas bus station. I, you're talking, you know, maybe one o'clock in the afternoon. Got to the bus station, looked for the times of the buses to Concordia. The, ne the next one's at 10 o'clock. It's Aaron, it's myself, and it's Ewan from Asuncion. Uh, we decided to travel all down to Sato together. We've hit the realisation that it's one o'clock on a, a Sunday afternoon in Argentina. We're in a bus station in the butt end of nowhere. Bar that, we're next to a shopping mall. We really have no option here. 
apart from to wait nine hours to get an overnight bus to Concordia, which will get us in about seven, after seven in the morning. Not ideal. What the deuce do you do for nine hours in the bus station? Well, a couple of things. Number one, we'd heard of a thing called Dollar Azul. Now, the Argentinian economy, uh, not really well run at the best of times, but we'd heard stories from people in Paraguay and uh, even in Brazil about Dollar Azul. Basically, you take your US dollars, you head over to Argentina, and rather than you know getting however many dollars it was for a peso, you could probably get a lot more. Okay, this is good fun. So in, in limited Spanish, a couple of us are walking around the desolate streets of Posadas asking people, dollar azul, dollar azul, and getting all these very strange looks. We played a lot of cards in the bus station. Uh, we also took trips to go to the supermarket where luckily it turned out that uh, only one of us had a working credit card. Although we were paying on credit card, for some reason the machines in the bus station uh, so the machines in the supermarket the supermercado didn't like hardly any of our cards so one of us ended up doing a big shop it was it was like rio de janeiro all over again there's too too much cake too much cake and crap but we settled with food and we just pissed away time at the bus station playing playing cards getting a little bit irritable also figuring that the electric at the bus station didn't work so we had to preserve phone battery and all that stuff as well up to concordia got the overnight bus took about nine hours it was all right you know, not bad quite comfortable again the bus system in latin america is very very good and regardless of what country you go to we popped off at concordia in the bus station, about R7, and we looked at the buses to Salto. Now, although Salto and Concordia are across from each other on the Uruguay River, uh, you still have to go out of Concordia, pretty much head north, go across the uh, bridge there, uh, and then head back down into Salto. So it's a bit like uh, if, you're from, if you're familiar with Portsmouth and Gospel, for example, they're pretty much opposite each other. You can get a ferry, but if you're driving, for example, you have to go all the way up A27, A32, back down into Gosport. This was pretty much similar, apart from the fact there wasn't even a boat between the two countries. You had to go over the, the bridge over the uh, Uruguay River. So we're in Concordia, half seven in the morning. We're a bit groggy. You know, we've been sat in bus stations. We've been sat on the bus. I'm looking at the bus time to Salto, and um, it was at two o'clock in the afternoon. Bear in mind, we're trying to be as cost-effective as possible. That's the mentality we were in at the time. Looked at the bus times, two o'clock in the afternoon, it's about $2. So we're like, oh dear, you know, don't really want to wait. Don't really want to wait. We said, look, yeah, let's, um, let's go grab a coffee. So I think it was Aaron and myself that went for a walk into Concordia, stretched the legs. We grabbed the coffee, came back to the bus station, and the three of us had a quick chat. So look, you know, we've just wasted pretty much a day at a bus station in Argentina. How much is a taxi going to be across to Salto? We started talking to a couple of cab drivers. Guy said that he would do it for $6 a person, which again, when, when we looked at it, it was, okay, well, that's, you know, it's going to be $6 for three of us on the bus, $2 each, or would we pay triple the amount? 
but it's only $6. But the thing is, we can get there quicker. We can get into Saldor and, you know, crack on with going to the Thermal Springs, which is, you know, why we wanted to go there. So after deliberating, we popped in a cab, headed over to Salador. Uh, in hindsight, is the best $6, one of the, some of the best $6 you've ever spent. Headed over there, got settled in, and we got dropped off in Salador. We had no accommodation booked, so it was all a bit, it was all a bit last minute. So we got dropped off and we said, right, okay, well, we know roughly where we know we can be. Let's head there. So, been dropped off, said thank you to the cabbie, gone walking pretty much to the other side of town to uh, find the to find a hostel that again, we're following the Lonely Planet, this is where it recommends that we go. So we've got to the other side of town, half hour walk, everyone's got big bags, still got the cake. We get to the place and there's, there's naff all there, there's, no, there's nothing there. All right, this is a bit strange. What's going on here? Looked at the map, looked at where we are, looked at the map again and we realized much to our horror that actually we'd been dropped off about a street away from the hostel yours truly was looking at the map upside down so i completely lost my bearings despite having a morning coffee completely lost the bearings i was looking at this whole thing upside down and uh yeah we had to trek back about half an hour to, <laughs> to go back to where we'd been dropped off to, to then go into the hostel by this stage, or sorry, I say hostel, homestay. By this stage, we are, we're fucked. We're, we're so tired. We are absolutely knackered. Uh, we've dropped the bags off and we basically said, bollocks to this. Let's go to the thermal springs. How do we get there? Figured out that we could get a bus down to the thermal springs. We Into the swimming gear. Off we went into the thermal baths. It's about £2.50 to get in. Relatively quiet. It was really good. And we got changed, you know, showered and whatnot, and uh, getting into the, you know, they have different stages of baths. So you can start off with a relatively cool one, and it, it, I think the hottest one you can get in is about 38 degrees, and trust me, that is roasting. And we'd basically just gone for the hottest one. We'd, we'd gone in, we toe-dipped into the hottest one, and, you know, it is, it's roasting, surprise, surprise. And we've gone up to the side, and, you know, just imagine you've got three of you you know, uh, you're standing up in a really hot pool. It's tall enough so you can sort of rest your elbows down on the side, put your head down. You've got three of us in the line. Uh, we're chatting to each other um, very briefly. Uh, and then next thing you know, I kid you not, um, you know, we woke up about an hour later. It transpired what happened was we, we'd started talking and where this water was so hot, we'd just all fallen asleep. Thankfully, we'd all fallen asleep, you know, resting our heads on our elbows out of the pool while standing in the pool. But we just fallen asleep. Absolutely incredible. Um, we look like lobsters when we got out. You know, you've got head and shoulders, uh, uh, you know, as white as a surrender flag. Uh, and then, yeah, the rest of our bodies just look like lobsters. We had a, a right old laugh about that. Went back into town, had some food and slept like babies, really, for the rest of the evening. And that was south, though. It didn't. We had a good experience in Salador purely because we had a great time in the baths. But getting to Salador from uh, Paraguay was yeah, relatively straightforward in the end, but being stuck nine hours at a bus station because you haven't quite thought things through, uh, really not ideal. 
Now, we could have been there a day earlier if we'd have left Paraguay earlier rather than leave at about midday um, as we did. But anyway, it is what it is. It was what it was. And we knew the following day we'd be parting ways. Uh, Ewan was big on his motorbikes. He would be taking his motorbike and going south where we would try to figure out how on earth to get across the northern plains of Uruguay, which, remember, the Lonely Planet said was impossible to do at the time. So join us for next week's episode where we'll find out if we made it across the northern plains of Uruguay. Hasta luego. <laughs>